0: Amen. Let us turn in our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8. I want to read verses 1 through 10. We'll be focusing on verses 4 through 9, but I wanted to read the context, and also I want to concentrate on the end of verse 7. But let us read Jeremiah Chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. I'll ask you to stand with me if you would, please. <clears throat> Jeremiah 8 1, let us hear God's word. At that time, saith the Lord, they shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah, and the bones of his princes, and the bones of the priests and the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves. And they shall spread them before the sun, and the moon, and all the host of heaven, whom they have loved, and whom they have served, and after whom they have walked, and whom they have sought, and whom they have worshipped. They shall not be gathered, nor be buried, for they shall be dung upon the face of the earth." And death shall be chosen rather than life by all the residue of them that remain of this evil family, which remain in all the places whither I have driven them, saith the Lord of hosts. You can see it's a context of judgment. The bones were scattered because the enemies of God's people had come and desecrated their graves and scattered their bones. Verse 4, Moreover thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course, as the horse rusheth into the battle. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. How do ye say we are wise, and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly in vain made he it the pen of the scribes is in vain wise men are ashamed they are dismayed and taken lo they have rejected the word of the lord and what wisdom is in them verse 10 therefore will i give their wives unto others and their fields to them that shall inherit them for every one from the least even unto the greatest is given to covetousness from the prophet even unto the priest every one dealeth falsely. Amen. Amen. Let, us, let us be seated. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your holy word and how we pray that you would minister your word to the need of our hearts. Amen. It is your holy word, O oh God. It is not the word of man. It is not the word of the one who read it. It is not the wor- word of anyone who studied it, but it is the word of the living God. Speak to our hearts. Minister to us by your Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Many of us believe that we are experiencing judgment in our nation today. <clears throat> we are convinced that our nation is under the judgment hand of God. <clears throat> I wonder why our building is not full this evening. If we are truly under judgment, why are there so few who are coming to pray in the evening? Our, our, I'm, not, I'm not congratulating us for being here, but are we who are here tonight And those who are under the sound of my voice, are we aware of what judgment is? Do we understand the judgment of the Lord? And if we do understand the judgment of the Lord, is it affecting our prayer lives? Is it affecting our reading of the scriptures? Is it affecting our our hearing of the Word of God when the Word of God is being preached week after week after week? Is is it affecting our relationships with the Lord's people? Are are we more sober-minded because of an awareness that God has brought us as a nation to a point of judgment? Judah was under the judging hand of Almighty God. God was pouring out his wrath upon that half of his nation called Judah and Jeremiah is weeping over their sins and the book of Jeremiah is all about the judgment of God upon his people, Judah. And they are not understanding the judgment of the Lord. In verse 7, at the very end of the verse, the prophet says, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. They are his people. They are God's people. He's speaking to them through his prophet. He cares about them. They are his people. He is warning them. But there is a great ignorance among them concerning God's judgment they are under judgment for their sins against a holy and a righteous God and he is pouring out wrath upon them and the things that are being said at the beginning of this chapter are very strong about the bones of the princes and the priests and the prophets and the inhabitants of Jerusalem being taken out of their graves and spread before the sun and the moon and all the host of heaven whom they have loved and whom they have served and after whom they have walked and whom they have sought and whom they have worshipped, and they will not be gathered, they will not be buried, but they will be for dung upon the face of the earth. And yet, God says, my people know not the judgment of the Lord. God says, therefore will I give, in verse 10, therefore will I give their wives to others and their fields to them that shall inherit them. For every one from the least, even unto the greatest, is given to covetousness. From the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. And yet, God says, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. They are under the judgment of God for their sins, but they do not hear the rod that God is speaking to them with. In Jeremiah chapter 5, he says the same thing. This is, this is not just coming in in, in chapter 8 as, as, as some sub-point, but this is the point of the book of Jeremiah, that this is happening everywhere in the book. They're under judgment, but they do not hear the rod of God. He says in chapter 5, verse 1, Run ye to and fro throughout the streets of Jerusalem, and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof, if ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, and seeketh, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. And though they say the Lord liveth surely they swear falsely <clears throat> O Lord are not thine eyes upon the truth thou hast stricken them but they have not grieved thou hast consumed them but they have not re- but they have refused to receive correction they have made their faces harder than a rock they have refused to return therefore i said surely these are poor they are foolish For they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. The poor of the land are foolish. Why? Because they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. In chapter 9, he says that the reason is because they know not the Lord. That is at the root of it. They don't know the Lord, and they don't know His judgment. And then he goes on in verse 5 to say, I will get me unto the great men not just the poor, but the great men, and will speak unto them, for they have known the way of the Lord and the judgment of their God. But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. And so they did not know the judgment of the Lord. They have forgotten their history. Their history as outlined in the word of God They have forgotten their Bibles. They do not know because they do not stop to think and to consider what God is doing in their lives. They do not know because they do not believe the prophet that God has sent to them to weep for them and to preach to them. Do we know the judgment of the Lord in our day? I believe we do. But then I also think, and I believe you'll agree with me on this, that we don't know the judgment of the Lord as we ought, just as we do not know the Lord as fully as we ought. So the the message is relevant to our need. Are we ignorant of judgment? Do we know what judgment is? Do we know how holy and how righteous God really is? Who judges in the earth? Do we know the history of divine judgment in this world? Do we believe our Bible? Do we think that we're a Christian nation? And because we're a Christian nation, we will not be judged. Well, we are liable to greater judgment because we have a great history of revivals, even though we are not, per se, a Christian nation. We have a heritage behind us that makes us more liable for judgment. Do we think that Rome fell because of their sins, but that America will not fall? Do we think we are impervious to judgment because we're in the New Covenant? Myanmar is in the New Covenant. China is in the New Covenant. Venezuela is in the New Covenant. Cuba is in the New Covenant, and they are all under the oppression of tyranny and communism and judgment. In Jeremiah chapter 8, Jeremiah is prophesying judgment upon Judah because of their unrepentant sinfulness. In Jeremiah 8, verses 4 through 9, the Lord gives Jeremiah a revelation In 4a he says moreover thou shalt say unto them thus saith the Lord. This is God's word. This is what God is saying to his people there in Judah through Jeremiah. And he he gives them four ways in which their hearts have been hardened to him and his judgment. Their hearts have been hardened and they don't know the judgment of the Lord. But he's giving them four ways. Number one is found in verses 4 and 5. They ignored the voice of reason. They ignored the voice of reason. He says, Moreover thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? And I believe what the Lord is saying there to his people is, in a general way, that there are people who fall down onto the ground. And he's saying, shall a person fall and not arise? Usually when we fall down, we get back up. Have you ever fallen down and refused to get back up? We normally, when we fall to the ground, we get back up. And the Lord is saying, shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? The idea there is someone who's on a journey... And he turns aside from the pathway and he gets lost. And doesn't he seek his way back? What if you were on a journey and your wife said, Hey, honey, I think that the GPS is telling us that you've lost your way. And we're going the other direction. And you would say, Oh, my, I need some help here. But God is saying, Shall, they, shall he turn away and not return or not come back to the way? Then he says, why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. He's reasoning with them, and they're not listening to him. He's reasoning with them to think, why would you why would you fall to the ground and not rise up? Why would you turn aside and not turn back into the way? And why is it that you have slidden back by a perpetual backsliding and holding fast to deceit or lies and refuse to return? Matthew Henry said they would not attend the dictates of reason. They would not listen to the voice of reason. <clears throat> Another way in which their hearts were hardened to God and His judgment is they ignored the voice of conscience. And God is, God is seeking to speak to us in judgment to our, to our reasoning. He is, he is seeking to speak to us through judgment in our consciences. And so He says in verse 6, I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Let me put it with a better inflection. What have I done? is what the prophet is saying. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course as the horse rusheth into the battle. And so it is that they ignored the voice of conscience. And everyone turned to his own course as the horse rushing into battle. They ignored the voice of reason. They ignored the voice of conscience. Matthew Henry said they would not attend the dictates of conscience. Number three, they ignored the voice of providence in verse seven. He says, Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. Well, the stork and the turtle and the crane and the swallow are all birds. And they know the time of their coming, that is, they know the migratory seasons when they leave the cold areas and go to the warm areas, or they leave the warm areas and go back to their homelands, and they know when to do it. And God has planted that in them as an instinct. And God is speaking to them, and and he's speaking them by way of reproof that you are not looking at the providential markers that you should be responding to in my judgment of you. Because all of these migratory birds know the time of their coming, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. They're not looking at his providence. They're not looking at what's happening. Are we seeing what is happening in our world today? And are we, are we listening to what's happening? And what I mean by that is, not do we, do we not read the news or, or look at the news and see things that are happening? I, I know we do, but are we responding to those things? That's what the Lord is saying to his people. Are you responding to the things that God is saying in his providence in your lives today? And this is not a condemnatory message. (coughs) But God wants us to think. God wants us to slow down and be sober in our minds. And God wants us to think about our prayer lives. And God wants us to think about our response to the messages that we're hearing. And God doesn't want us to just go our way and say, oh yeah, America's under judgment. Oh oh yeah america oh aren't isn 't this a terrible thing america's not but how are we how are we responding spiritually to what 's happening today? Is it driving us to our knees? Is it bringing the whole church together to pray, my friends, we are not where we should be i right. 'm not trying to condemn us i 'm just saying honestly. God is speaking in his, words, in his word to his people. He says, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. And I believe to some degree we do not know the judgment of the Lord. We're not responding to it, and that's what he's saying. Yes, they see the afflictions. Yes, they see the troubles that are happening, but they're not responding to them as they should. And then in verse 8, we see that they ignored the voice of God's word. How do ye say, (coughs) we are wise, and the law of the Lord is with us? And indeed, they did have the law of the Lord with them. That was the privilege of Israel, that they had the word of God with them. Then he says, lo, certainly in vain made he it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. And I know that's difficult, and I know the English is hard to understand, but at least the commentators are saying that the scribes are lying about the word of God. And in lying, they're making a lie out of what God is saying. The wise men are ashamed, verse 9. They are dismayed and taken low. They have rejected the word of the Lord. And what wisdom is in them? And so it is that they ignored the voice of of God's word. Matthew Henry said they would not attend the dictates of providence. So you can see I followed the text, but I also followed Matthew Henry on this. God is speaking to their minds. God is speaking to their consciences. God is speaking to their intellect and to that inner voice of conscience, if we can say voice. Through the providential judgments of the past, and the present, and the future warnings of judgment in his holy word. And they are not listening to those providential speakings of God in in the world in which they live. And they are not listening to God's word. They are not paying heed to what God is saying to them. They are the people of God. They are the chosen people of God. And they have a prophet, a holy prophet, A great prophet, a weeping prophet, a prophet who prays for them, a prophet who loves them and cares for them, and they are ignoring the dictates of reason and ignoring the dictates of conscience and ignoring the dictates of providence and ignoring the dictates of God's word because they are not responding to what God is saying. It is not that Jeremiah is saying or that God is saying, you, you can't hear or you can't feel the rod, but you're not responding to what I'm saying. They know not the judgment of the Lord because they are not responding to it. Mm-hmm. The judgment of God is a revelation. The judgment of God is not something that we know about because somebody argued our minds into it. The judgment of God is not an explanation that that satisfied us because we heard someone explain it. But the judgment of God in Scripture, the wrath of God, is a revelation. Paul says (coughs) that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteous, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God is the judgment of God. It's a judgment, it is a wrath against sin in the lives of men. It is, it is, a, it is an act on the part of God of punishment and and an expression of his wrath against sin because he is a righteous and a holy God. But the judgment of God is a revelation. It has been revealed to us. And so Paul says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. It is something that we wouldn't know about unless God revealed it, and he's revealed it to us. And Paul states it plainly in Romans 1, 18. It is God's wrath, the wrath of a holy God and a righteous God. It is revealed just as the gospel is revealed, so also the wrath of God is revealed. It is revealed from heaven. That is, it comes from the throne of God. It is something that God does. It is because of who he is that he does this in response to sin. It is against man's ungodliness and unrighteousness, his sinfulness, and, and yet it is suppressed or ignored or explained away by sinners. And that's what these Judaites are doing, these people of Judah. They did not know the judgment of the Lord because they suppressed the truth unrighteousness. They refused to think about it. They suppressed their consciences. They ignored God's providence and they rejected the word of the Lord. Yet God has clearly revealed his wrath against sin throughout scripture and throughout history. And I'm going to give you just some instances of that through the word. Judgment was revealed by a holy God in the garden of Eden When Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate of the forbidden fruit due to disobedience to the divine command, Adam and Eve were judged and removed from the Garden of Eden. That was the first case of judgment in all of history. They were cast out and utterly excluded from the Garden of Eden. There was no way back on their own. The ground was cursed for man and pain and conception were multiplied for the woman. We see that judgment was revealed in the first murder when Cain disputed with Abel and was jealous of God's favor of Abel and so he killed him and God came to him and and God pronounced judgment upon him saying, so now you are cursed from the earth which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand when you till the ground it shall no longer yield its strength to you a fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth that was judgment that was the judgment of god upon a man a single man judgment was revealed at the flood god's view of sinful mankind was that <coughs> was that the thoughts "...of the intents of man's heart was only evil continually, and it grieved God that he had made man and, and created him upon the earth, and he said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, and God brought a universal flood upon the earth." Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and Noah and his sons and his wife and their wives went into the ark, and God judged the world." Do you realize that God killed all of the men and the women and the children who were living on the earth? Because he is a righteous and a holy God. And he's showing us that there is a final judgment. And this this is a picture of the final judgment. And he's also showing us that there's redemption in Christ. There's redemption in the Savior because there is an ark of refuge in which you can climb and in which you can find refuge from the storm. Judgment was revealed upon Canaan when Noah drank wine and became drunk. He was uncovered and his younger son saw his nakedness, while Shem and Japheth kept their eyes from seeing him and covered him. And Noah spoke a prophetic word, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be to his brethren. This was prophetic judgment upon Canaan. Judgment was revealed at the Tower of Babel. Men were living in one place. They had one language. And they decided to make a name for themselves with a city and a high tower. And they said, and, and a high tower to go all the way to heaven, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So the Lord confused their language and scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. It was the judgment of God upon proud and sinful man. God's judgment was revealed against Sodom and Gomorrah. God's judgment was revealed against Sodom and Gomorrah because of the awful depravity and sinfulness of their lives. He delivered, God delivered Lot and his two daughters, but rained down fire and brimstone on the wicked inhabitants of these depraved cities and all the cities of the plain except for Zoar. God showed his righteous indignation against Sodom and Gomorrah. You get the picture as we go along that that judgment has been revealed, that judgment has been shown in the earth. God has revealed his righteous judgment. God brought a series of plagues upon Egypt at the time of the Exodus and drowned the Egyptian army in judgment. God used Israel to purge the land of Canaan, whose cup of iniquity was full. Because sin is a reproach to any people, and righteousness exalts a nation. And so Canaan was destroyed because God brought that judgment upon them. The Israelites experienced repeated judgments throughout their history. Israel was constantly experiencing judgments from God because of their sins, both in the wilderness and in the land of Canaan. And so were their kings, and so were their false prophets, and so were certain people doing certain things that offended the righteous and holy wrath of God. In the Old Testament prophets, there are many judgments pronounced upon the nations surrounding Israel. And so we see judgment against the Edomites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Philistines. We see the judgment of God, and we heard about it in a message recently, the judgment of God upon Israel in 70 A.D. And Jesus said, as he stopped upon that, that colt of a donkey, and he was on that rise looking off over the city of Jerusalem, He said, The day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not, thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. And their time of visitation was there with Christ in their presence. And then again in 70 AD, when God came in judgment. There have been judgments against individuals, cities, and nations throughout history. And and these are things that we need to consider. We need to remind ourselves because we, we revolt in our natural selves against the idea of judgment. A Christian just asked me the other day, what about the American Indians? How can God send the Indians to hell and judgment when they have never heard the gospel? When He's talking about the Indians before the missionaries came or the, the settlers came to America. I wish I had had a better answer, but one answer that I thought of later, and I hope to say it to him as soon as I can get with him on it, <coughs> What about Sodom and Gomorrah? They didn't have the privilege of a Christian missionary. But God brought great judgment upon them. And yet, the judgment of God's people in Jerusalem was going to be greater than the judgment of God upon Sodom and Gomorrah because of the light that was shining in Jerusalem. And then we mention in the historical sequence because that's what I'm trying to do <clears throat> there was a great judgment at the cross of Calvary outside the city of Jerusalem in which Christ bore the awful wrath of God for the sins of his people he who knew no sin became sin for us and the wrath of a righteous and a holy God was poured out upon the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that you and I will not understand in this world, but that the righteous and holy God chose to pour out His wrath upon His voluntary Son as He bore the iniquities of His people on this earth. Praise God for what Jesus did. In the early church, divine judgment fell upon Ananias and Sapphira. In the Corinthian church, sickness and death were the result of sin. Church discipline is a judgment in which the church participates with God against the unrepentant. <clears throat> the seven churches of Revelation warn of judgments by the Lord upon unrepentant churches. We think of Ephesus, who had, lo- who had left their first love. And the Lord says in Revelation 2.5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly. Respond to, to, this, to this word of judgment <coughs> by remembering and repenting and doing the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. My friends, that is not chastening. That is judgment. And that is the judgment of God against a church who had left their first love. You know, we hear of people who have left their love. But this is a church who had left her first love. And God says, I will remove thy candlestick. What is the candlestick? Well, we do know that the candlesticks were the churches amongst whom the Lord, the the vision that John saw was the, the magnificent Royal lord of lords and king of kings it's a picture of him in his majesty walking among the candlesticks and he says I will remove your candlestick out of his place except thou repent to thyatira against the lord <coughs> against whom the lord had a, a few things And speaking of that prophetess Jezebel, he said, Behold, I will cast her into a bed. (coughs) And them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Have we read that? and believed it that this is the judgment of the lord mm-hmm. to sardis <clears throat> just trying to abbreviate and, and not read the whole passage but but thing they needed to be watchful and to strengthen the things that remained that are ready to die for i have not found thy works perfect before god the lord said but he said remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. We think of Laodicea, of whom the Lord said, Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The book of Revelation is full of pictures of God's judgments and his final judgment upon all evil, angelic, or human. Babylon, the great harlot, the beast, the false prophet, the devil and his angels, the unbelieving, are all cast into the lake of fire. There have been and are in process today judgments of God upon nations in which God's people dwell. God is judging nations, and his people live in those nations. We mentioned the Roman Empire. There were believers throughout the Roman Empire when Rome fell. Plagues have befallen cities and nations throughout history, and believers were involved. I can't remember the name of the book, but Vincent had a book about the plague The terrible voice of God in the city. The terrible voice of God in the city. Just warning the people and he went into the city where the plague was and ministered to the people and God preserved him. But wars have brought desolation throughout history and God's people were affected by them. There are many Christians who live under great persecution today in Muslim and communist countries and under Hinduism. And judgment has fallen befallen our country in our history. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. That, that, That song that spoke of the Civil War. We had a dreadful Civil War in which great judgments were wrought upon the North and the South, and especially the South, towards the end of the war. As the South was devastated, by the ruthless army from the north. We have been a warring nation among the nations. And we are in a time of judgment as a nation due to our sins as a nation. We went from a country with freedom of religion to a country with freedom from religion. We went from protected protected biblical truth to advancing lies and perversion. We're being judged for the murder of babies. We're being judged for our immoral ways of life, our pride, our love of wealth, our wars with other nations. And I believe God is giving us time to respond. I don't believe the judgment has fallen swiftly upon America. We have actually been experiencing this this warming of the pot, as it were, for many years, and it's escalating. It is a time to prepare. It is a time for us to respond. May the Lord give us grace to know the judgment of the Lord. We need to get very serious about our walk with Christ. Amen. Amen. We need to get serious about walking with Christ. We need to read the word as if our lives depended on it. And they do. We need to become a praying church. And this is so important. We're not just just talking about a little prayer meeting where where a group of, of people get together and just make each other feel warm and good. We're talking about doing business with a righteous and a holy God on behalf of our nation. On behalf of our leaders, on behalf of the good leaders, on behalf of the bad leaders, on behalf of our children and our grandchildren. We need to pray as individuals, and this is repeated throughout the New Testament. We need to hear sermons with more attentive hearts and ears. I started with this, and I did that on purpose so that we would think about it as we began. We need revival in our hearts. Matthew 24, 12 is happening in our day. The Lord said that because lawlessness or iniquity would abound, the love of many will wax cold. And iniquity is abounding around us. It is abounding on Jackson Street. It is abounding throughout this city. It's abounding in our neighborhoods. We are in a city of great corruption. And we need to prepare and respond. In 1 Peter 4, 7, Peter said, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. What is the response of a person who sees that the end of all things is at hand? And if it was at hand in Peter's day, it's more at hand today. And the Lord said he would make a short work upon the earth. And he's making a short work upon the earth. We are closer to the end and it's vitally important in our day. Well, what can we say? There is good in God's judgment. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. There is good in all of this. There is good in judgment because all things work together for good in the lives of his people. This is going to strengthen the churches. This is going to to make the churches look smaller, perhaps, for a season, like Gideon's army. There is comfort in the light of God's judgment. Why? Because he will vindicate the righteous. He will avenge the holy martyrs who are crying, how long till you avenge our blood? There is comfort in the light of God's judgment. He will set all things in the fa- on the foundation of perfect righteousness. And perfect justice will reign throughout eternity. There are powerful warnings in God's judgment. There are great warnings to all of us. If you're not saved, you're a child of wrath. And you need to awaken and flee from the wrath to come. And this is the New Testament message. There is effectual motivation in the light of God's judgment. What manner of persons ought you to be? Serious and sober in prayer, knowing the judgment of God, We share the gospel message, and we persuade men. Can it be said of us, but my people do not know the judgment of the Lord? Can that be said of us? I just want to encourage us to think about that question. Can it be said of me that I do not know the judgment of the Lord? We all say yes. We do not know it as we ought to know it. We are in the classroom of affliction and we are experiencing judgment upon a nation. Let us respond to God's voice of reason. Let us have a good conscience toward what God is saying. Let us behold the providence of God and consider what we should do about it. And let us respond to the word of God and what he says to us and especially in this matter of prayer. May God help us. God bless you. Amen. Amen. I'll ask you to stand with me. And I will read our benediction, which is Paul's prayer and my prayer and our prayer for one another. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 God bless you. Go in peace.